all living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The website is fake, but the podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hello, hello, fellow pop culture enthusiasts, and welcome to the show. We're glad that you're here. We've got an exciting show today. I'm really excited to get right into it. So here we go. First off, let me welcome my co-hosts from the panel, Gone Geek. First up, my regular compadre, Utah Shu joins me. Utah. Greetings, programs. Hello. So glad that you're here. How's your week been so far? Ah, it's been the same as every other past week. <laughs> they, they get to starting to run together. Do you even realize what day it is? I don't. Is it Wednesday? It's That's podcast back. day. That's all I yeah, know. All right, then. All right. Today's icebreaker. What band were you obsessed with in middle school? Holy cow. Middle school? So middle school is... Uh, like six through six eight through eight. Gosh. Okay. So I grew up in a town where... Uh, we didn't have middle school. We had junior high, which was seven through nine. I know. Same it's concept. Weird, Go ahead. But it's the same thing. So, <laughs> gosh, what? Hmm, I want to say it would be either Depeche Mode or Prince and the Revolution. Okay. Which are two really kind of diametrically opposed genres, <laughs> I guess. Um, but, yeah, it would be those two. Oh, New Order. New Order. That was another one. Nice. But, uh, yeah. Just, just I, like I remember those years. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> also on the panel, back with us from last week. We didn't scare her off yet, but uh, we want to welcome back Aliyah Stefan. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay. Not how's, scared yet? That's all right. How's your week then? <laughs> it has been. It's been good. It's you know, I don't know. Kind of with you too. I hear you. Very, everything's just kind of roaming together. All right. So same question for you. It was, it was probably easier for you to remember because it wasn't as long ago as it was for Utah. Yeah, what band were true. you obsessed with in middle school? Um, I knew right away. Paramore. Ooh. Oh, mm -hmm. that was my heard of them. Yeah, they were my <laughs> that was my band back. And actually still one of my favorite bands to this day. But yeah, I knew this question was going to depress me because she was going to name a band that one of my kids is into. Exactly, and so that's exactly what she did. She had Paramore, my my daughter Rachel is very much into Paramore. Yeah, but they're a good band, so I can't I can't uh, can't blame you. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. For me, it was either it was probably a cross between U two and Def Leppard. Oh, yeah, yeah, U <laughs> two and Def Leppard. That those that's were a probably good one. yeah. U2 both of those were. I mean, I'm still madly into U two. U two is my favorite band of all time. So. And, and I did say band. So when, you know, there was some like individual singers I could get, you know, even break it down even further, but definitely you two. And then Def Leppard. That was, I jumped between those two quite a bit. Those two cassette tapes. See what that is, Aaliyah, is they used to record things. <laughs> and, hey, I never mind. I'm kidding. I know Four what a cassette tape is. I know. I know. All right. Well, welcome to you both. We're glad that you're here. Let's get to our first segment. This week in Gee. It's the part of the show where we pick out five stories from the past week that we think you should know about. Number one. Mythbusters has long been a geek favorite show, not the least of which because its hosts and build team are all geeks and pop culture enthusiasts themselves. Grant Imahara, a brilliant engineer and roboticist, part of the build team on the hit show, passed away this past week at the far too young age of 49. Unfortunately, it was a, it was a brain aneurysm. 
Grant's expertise, though, went beyond Mythbusters. He, uh, prior to being on that show, he worked for Lucasfilm, THX, Industrial Light and Magic, and later he was the host of BattleBots. Um, he was kind of a genius, like no joke, and most recently built a screen-accurate animatronic baby Yoda with plans to tour children's hospitals with it. Just a brilliant, big-hearted guy. Truly sorry to lose him, and my prayers go out to his friends and family. Utah, uh, your thoughts on the passing of Grant? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's tragic. Um, you know, the world lost a, a really big geek uh, and engineering light. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Grant once back in 2015 in San Diego. And you know how they say never meet your heroes because you'll always be disappointed in one way, shape or form. That that did not apply to Grant. He was the most humble, kind, big hearted, nicest guy you could ever ask um, to admire or be inspired by. I mean, just the fact that he was making a screen anchor at Baby Yoda and with and his whole premise for that was to go to children's hospitals and, and bring some joy into to those kids lives. I mean, you know, that that says it all. Um, he was a genius. He came up with so many great things. I mean, he he worked on he worked on a couple of Star Wars movies. He worked on Terminator Three. He you know he had a BattleBot, so he wasn't even just a host. He actually had a BattleBot. I, I forget its name. Um, I know NSYNC were big fans of of that BattleBot of his, though. I, I remember him telling me that story, which was pretty good. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, the fact that it was just so sudden and so out of nowhere it really. It was a shocker, and it, I, I was really hit. It, it, it really, it really hit me hard. So, may you rest in peace, Elliot. Have you ever seen MythBusters? Do you ever watch that show? I have seen MythBusters, but I'm, I'm not as fluent with his work as you guys are. However, I did enjoy watching MythBusters. You know, and for anyone that passes. You know, it's still um, a heart-shattering sh- moment. So definitely something, regardless of um, who you are, you know, outside of the work that he's done, I'm sure that that um, warrants and is um, every, everyone that he has touched to be heartbroken. Prayers still go out to their family and friends. And yep. again, may he rest in peace. Yeah, just too soon. 49. That's just yeah. 49. so sad. That's- I hate to say it, but that's like how old I am. And, (laughs) you know, I think about that and I'm like, I don't even, I I can't even imagine um, what his friends and family are going through. Um, Heck, I mean, he he even, he made Jeff Peterson from the Craig Ferguson Late Late Show. Oh, yeah. His little, uh, his little animatronic robot skeleton sidekick. Yeah. So I didn't know he built that. He did. That's so funny. And a lot of people don't. Uh, think about this, but um, there was a little Star Trek revival on the internet back in the That's day right. called Star, Tr- Star Trek. Star Continues. Trek Continues. They they built the sets to look just like the show, yep. um, and and got together a cast and and tried to make episodes that went beyond where the original show got canceled. So it was almost as if the show just kind of picked up where it left off. It and continued. Grant uh, played Sulu in yep. that. And that was a pretty fun, fun show. But uh, yeah, our hearts are broken for his family and for his friends and for the whole Mythbusters crew. I know that they're all uh, sad uh, right now. He was truly a light. Number two. San Diego Comic-Con, as we've talked about on the podcast before, will be virtual 
this year, which means Utah can't leave me behind here in Cleveland. I'm while, taking you with me this year. While he gallivants <laughs> around with the rest of the geek world out in sunny California. But while I would trade anything to have this pandemic nonsense gone, it's tough to deny that there's some comfort in getting to be a part of one of geekdom's biggest conventions of the year from the privacy of our own home. Uh, this schedule has been released finally. That's the news this week. So uh, we're going to put the the actual link because uh, you can't click a link in a podcast. I could tell you and read that URL. Not going to do that. I'm going to put it in the show notes and you're welcome to go there and click. And uh, you can see the entire schedule. Everything, every panel is right there. You can actually sign up and click which ones you're going to go to. And it'll uh, give you reminders. There's links to the YouTube pages where those panels will be held. And uh, it's pretty exciting. I'm looking at the schedule and filling mine out. And there's some really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. First off, I want to say that uh, I'm really impressed. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect in terms of quality of content because, you know, it was canceled and they're, they're doing it virtually. Um, but they've done a really good job of kind of keeping the quality of the content and the panels and the casts and the shows and projects um, very close to what you would see if you if they still had it, you know, in person. I mean, you know, you don't have the big DC uh, studio, movie studio one or the big Marvel one, but you do still get great ones. You know, The Boys has a panel with mm. the cast and showrunners, uh, The Old Guard has a panel both walking dead fear of the walking dead also have their panel so i mean they, they still have some of the really popular ones going on which is great um so i'm excited uh it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see see how it all pans out and um how the internet handles that kind of traffic because i suspect that the internet will be uh inundated with streaming traffic uh next week <laughs> because <laughs> of this and I'm also curious, uh, after, it, after it's all done, I'm curious to see what the numbers are, to see how much interest there was, whether it was successful enough that maybe they'll consider doing uh, part of it virtually every year from here on out. Uh, I, can't, you know, I can't imagine it'd be a bad thing. The more people that are excited about this and get to experience some of this stuff, um, I think the better. I also like the fact that they're, you know, they've got little printed home badges so you can print your badge. Yeah, I've not done that yet. I got to do that. Um, And then they have they have they have the signs like front of line signs, end of line signs, restroom signs, all the stuff that you would see in person. They're now allowing you to print at home, which I think is cute. So did you get excited? Did you get a chance to look at the schedule, Aaliyah? Yes. So I've never been to a Comic-Con. Never even. We're going to change that once things are back. You're going to have to come with us. I'm actually, actually, I take that back. I did go to one. It was Flaming River Con and Rocky River. Um, um, And that was actually pretty neat. But I remember, and he was like, this was my mindset when I was in college. And I, uh, I went to Bowling Green, so I'm not sure if you guys are you know familiar with um the comic-con that happened there it's like it was super huge but let me tell you i had no idea what was going on (laughs) so i just kept seeing all these people in weird costumes like (laughs) why are these people dressing up and then now you know like fast forwarding two years later, I'm like, wow, this is something that I definitely would have been interested in if I would have known what was going on. Mm. I just kept seeing all these people in weird costumes, most of which I was not familiar with. So if I was familiar, I probably would have been like, oh yeah, you know, really excited. But there was a few things that I did see on the schedule that I was pretty interested in. So like they have a Constantine 
Uh, that is one movie that I actually know about, guys. Um, the 15th Anniversary Reunion. Women of Color in Comics, which... I, for those of you that don't know, I am a person of color, but um, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's all love. So that that one I did find interesting because I, I'm not as aware of people of color in comics. And um, that diversity and inclusion definitely is something that sparks my interest. So there there were a few different things that I think I also saw on Disney. Disney Plus is Phineas and Ferb, the movie. You know, yes. For all of my kids <laughs> out there. <laughs> Yeah, that's Phineas and Ferb is freaking genius. That show, it's yeah, so good. Phineas and Ferb is going to be one of those is <laughs> timeless. Yeah, really. And so it they've is. they've got a new movie coming out. Yeah, and they've got a the cool thing about this schedule that they've put out there is you can actually see if you are connected to your Facebook or your Twitter, you can see what your friends have signed up for too. And so I can see if I'm signed up with things that Utah signed up for. And it looks like it looks like we're only signed up for two of the same thing. So even if we had gone to San Diego together, we would have split up. It looks like and gone I would have seen you like for a half hour on the first day. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but, but the ones that we did pick, like there's a, his dark materials and only yes. reason I, I'm not a huge fan of that show or that book no, series, no, no, but it's Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> so I'm going to go to that panel. I want to check it out. And then the boys season two, I definitely was doing it. And I'm sure I didn't look to see if we matched up, but uh, the Bill and Ted face the music. I'm yes, pretty sure cast, you signed up for that, right? Cast and uh, director and producer are going to be yeah. There. So Keanu and Alex will both. Be oh there. yes, very excited for that one. Do you pay for all of these? This is why I didn't no. sign up. I wasn't sure if you had to pay for anything. Oh, no, nope, no, just no. click so it and uh, just click it, and it'll be on your schedule. And then uh, next week, it'll remind you with the actual links to uh, the YouTube channel or whatever that the, the panel watch. actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. So you just sign up for this and then totally send free. you a little your badge. That's why he's taking you with him well, this year. That makes sense. <laughs> hey, yeah. wait a minute. It's very expensive when it's in San <laughs> Diego. <laughs> um, but yeah, in San Diego, obviously you've got flight and hotel and tickets and the whole thing Food is just, you know, just, expensive. Yeah. But hey, now it's at home. So obviously, you know, it's no big yeah, deal. Yeah, I'm. I'm already got my, you know, because usually about this time a week before uh, Comic-Con, I'm trying to make a list of all the stuff that I need to, to be in line and this, that, and the other. And I'm going to, you know, sit outside in my backyard overnight, just like I would in San Diego. I'd be outside overnight waiting in line to do whatever and, you know, trying to get that full experience again, even though it's at home. <laughs> yeah. Do you have the tent? No, 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 no. They don't allow tents. <laughs> I'm not going to cheat. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I cannot wait for this. Uh, I'm very excited. Um, the Simpsons has a panel. That's one of my favorite. Um, Bob's Burgers has a panel. I'm a huge fan. And then on the, on Sunday, on the last day, Goldberg's has a panel and Goldberg's is just absolutely one of my favorite shows and not the least of which is because I, I'm pretty sure they based it on you, except for the fact that I'm not Jewish. Everything else on that show is from my life. It's been scary <laughs> how many down to the wrestling and trying to get, you know, with his dad and like, you know, but I, I'm both Barry and Adam. I found out in, depend, <laughs> in different storylines, the See? Barry storyline with wrestling and his dad is just like so identical. It's just, it's really spooky. But so I'm going to watch that. I love that show a lot. Um, the Goldbergs to you is fresh off the boat to me. There, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Right? No, it's seriously, crazy. It, it's just crazy how accurate 
the shows are. That's funny. Yeah. And that was that one also it takes place in the 80s, right? Yep. Yeah, check it out. We'll put some we'll put the link uh to get your schedule. We'll put the link to find and print your badges. I also saw they're selling some merchandise. I guess you can get a shirt that says front yes. of line on the front and back of line on the back <laughs> because because you're the front shirt. and back of the line now because you're at home, right? Like you I, don't, can't, <laughs> I, I cannot express how much I need. It's kind shirt. of it's, brilliant. It's genius. Yeah, absolute, it is genius. absolute genius. So they, really mean, looking forward a, to this. They're doing a really good job in terms of, like I said, content and the merchandise. And then, of course, also all the other vendors that usually have uh, Comic-Con exclusive items are now starting to list them as to what they are. And then they're going to go on sale online, I think, Wednesday morning. Um, uh, so sadly for me, because it's nice to know people that know people to I'll give you greater odds to get some of these exclusives. That doesn't happen this year. No, everybody's got the same. <laughs> everybody's got the same. The same chance cool. to get one. Yep. No, I think that's awesome. Like I said, this, this year, so many more people are going to be able to participate in one way, shape or form in something that, you know, is only limited to a quarter million people. And mm -hmm. every year, over one and a half million people try and get badges to go to San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con and a fraction of them actually get them. And now this year, everybody gets to go. You get so, a badge and you, you get, get a badge. badge. And you <laughs> get a badge and you get a badge. Exactly. So I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. I'm glad they're doing it. Number three. All right. So it's not Aaliyah's favorite subject, but we'll make her a Star Wars fan before too long. <laughs> But at least, at least the good Star Wars. There's good. There's good Star Wars. There's bad Star Wars. There's you know you don't have to you have to be a fan of all the Star Wars, but some no. of the Star Wars you should you should you should like. So we're we're gonna try to introduce you to some of that. But when there is <laughs> Star Wars news, we have to share it on the show. And this week, a couple of really cool things that dropped. First off, a new animated series launched out of the Clone Wars will feature the Bad Batch, a group of modified Ooh. clones introduced to us towards the end of the animated Clone Wars series on Disney Plus right now. Sort of like a Star Wars Dirty Dozen, but there's only five of them. So I guess more closer to Dirty. closer to the A-team, I guess, really. But uh, there you go. they're going to have new adventures in a post-Order 66 world, which could be a lot of fun. When they introduced these guys during the Clone Wars, uh, this this as the this Clone Wars recent. was wrapping up, yeah, it I was I actually thought they were kind of a of a of a standout. I think that they sort of became a little bit of a fan favorite. People were like uh had spent, you know, so many seasons watching all these clones that they have different personalities, but they're they're really all the same. The same, you know, and right. to Rex see these Cody, modified clones uh being able to kind of branch out and have their own kind of characters, I think was kind of cool. What did you think? Uh I like the news. Um I, I, I agree with you. Uh the the Bad Batch uh story arc in, in this last season of Clone Wars, uh I found very entertaining. And it's exactly for the reason that you said. Uh, they're actually clones that are physically different from the other clones, but then also have specific skills because of their differences. And they operate um, you know, in a very non-structured way, especially compared to the rest of the clones. You know, Just their interplay with, with Rex, um, I thought was great to see the kind of their different styles and different philosophies kind of conflict but then end up working together um and so you know part of me is like oh another spinoff is 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 that something that we really need but uh the bad batch uh is very compelling to me and so the fact that they're timing this after order 66 um definitely uh 
gives it a lot of unknown things to to mine for their show. So I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, I think I'm sort of on the on the same page as uh, one of our friends who uh, also has been on the show before, Lou uh, Tambone, who who mm-hmm. has become frustrated with all of these cartoons, and now even with the Mandalorian because they keep going back to the well and bringing back these right. characters, these fan favorites, right. instead of just telling new stories. Yep. I, um, he, he is not, I haven't talked to him about this, but I bet I can read his mind. He's probably <laughs> saying if Ahsoka shows up in this or oh, any of right. those, and it's not because he's not an Ahsoka fan, but it, or, 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 or any of that kind of stuff. It's just like enough Dave Filoni. We get it. You've created right. some cool characters and you want them to be in everything that you do. But this let's, how about we tell some other stories? There are more, the galaxy is bigger than just these few people that keep showing up over and over in these animated series. And I'm on this, I'm on the say, I agree with them. I, I think that's true. I, I love Ahsoka. I didn't at first, but I, towards the end of that show, uh, she became one of my favorite characters. I actually like that. She's appeared in rebels. That's kind of fun. I like the idea that she's showing up on Mandalorian possibly, but again, but, but I, it is kind of like, okay, come on. Right. They, there are other people in the, be connected. in these galaxies. Let's, let's go ahead and let's introduce new characters and have some fun with, with some, with some new ideas. So I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, so I don't want to steal his thunder, but he's not on the show this week. So I want to make sure his viewpoint yeah. gets out because he's right. He's right about that. I think he's right. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bad Batch introduces a whole new group of Star Wars fun or new planets, new things, new, new Star Wars. That would be awesome. The additional rumor that has some serious credibility, actually, uh, besides the Bad Batch, is that Hayden Christensen will be reprising his role as Anakin Skywalker in the still and endless development Obi-Wan series over at Disney+. Now, whether he'll play Anakin himself in flashbacks or visions or just Darth Vader in the suit, still not 100% confirmed, but I think either is great. It's interesting. I'd love to see that Hayden is coming back. What do you think, Utah? I like the idea. Um, I hope he's over his distaste for sand. Maybe not. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I like the idea, especially, you know, you've got Ewan McGregor reprising his role as, as Obi-Wan. It kind of makes sense that if they're going to have anything to do with Anakin, that they would try and get Hayden Christensen back. Um, and so I'm, I'm okay with that decision. Um, I am curious, like you said, is it going to be flashbacks or is this something where he is a ghost or is he playing Vader? Who knows? I, I honestly, I, I, there's been so much talk about this Obi-Wan show. I, I don't even remember. Is it about uh, Obi-Wan's time between episodes three and four? Or I, is it? Presumably. I mean, that's what right. a lot of people have said. Right. And so if it is, then, so yeah. I, so I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. I'm happy for the news. Um, Hayden Christensen's a great actor. Uh, even, he was just given kind of crappy stuff in, in the prequel series. So I don't blame him for anything that I dislike. So, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see where it goes. I really want this Obi-Wan show though. I've been wanting this for years. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I think it gives them a chance to really kind of, I think what the Clone Wars cart, uh, animated series actually has done is sort of redeemed the prequels a little bit for me. I mean, I never hated okay. the prequels. There's a lot of people who just hate them, right? Or just hate certain right. ones. I never right. hated them. I, I just, yeah. they're not my prior, they're not my favorite ones. You know, I don't necessarily, and I have a feeling that the reason Aaliyah is not yet a Star Wars fan is because she started in the prequels and that's not the best place to start. Yeah, that's not the best place to start. <laughs> so that's my theory. We're, we've got a theory we're working on. It. We're going to dedicate a whole episode just to trying to 
try to get to the root the root of Aaliyah's Star Wars. It, no, I'm our, kidding. Our new um, segments are going to be get Aaliyah on the train. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think that that's like one of my biggest hesitations. And I, maybe I'm afraid that I know once I start, I might actually really enjoy it. And then I'm just going to be like everyone else. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, you know what? And it's okay if you don't like it. You know what I mean? There's nothing yeah, wrong with fine. that, right? Yeah, there's nothing. Uh, I, did you guys see how you looked at me when I said I was not a Star Wars No, we did not. We didn't give <laughs> no, you No, just kidding. Um, but, I but, still have that look. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the prequels were, were a little bit stilted, a little tough, a little bit. The writing was a little bit bad. There's, there's some problems, right? And and they were Sand. boring and a little bit on a few parts, just not as good as what we had seen before. And so that's always been one of my issues. However, um, some of the things I didn't like about the prequels, I really loved about the Clone Wars animated series. They really started to kind of give more background, more development of those characters. I really love what they did with Obi-Wan, that he had a, a, a secret love life, possibly, that he could that's never right. act upon. Like, it just gave Obi-Wan more depth. Um, the fact that he had that going on and was resisting it and yet knew in the background what was going on with Anakin and Padme, that's depth. Depth we didn't have in the movies, but the, the animated series kind of added to it. So I, I feel like they've kind of, I, I don't want to say redeemed the prequels because the, re, the prequels didn't need redemption. I'm just saying it just kind of gave the prequels more depth and I like that. And that's what I'm hoping this show does too. Because Obi-Wan has always been kind of this mystery, right? He's right. he's this stern educator kind of in the prequels. He's this batty old, you know, hermit <laughs> hermit who's basically Wizard. lying to Luke over and over. You know what I mean? Right. That too, from a yeah. certain point of view, you know, in these things. Yeah. But why? Why? And, and how did he get from there to Obi-Wan ha- has to have more depth. There's must be more to that. And Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor. And Absolutely. I think it's going to be great to hopefully see him. That's why I think some of this is going to be flashback. I think we're going to see more of their relationship grow. Um, maybe give us some more backstory that that the prequels left out. I think it's going to be more or vision. Like you'll have visions of Anakin because he's in uh, the desert okay. and he's losing his mind. And, and he's loopy. <laughs> <laughs> Could be that too. But it, it should be interesting. Either way, I think it's great. Um, that's some good Star Wars news. I needed some Star Wars news. I really did. Star Wars, um, I, I, I can't wait for the next season of Mandalorian to come out. So yeah. it was just good to hear some good Star Wars news. Number four. Big news from Netflix this week. They're bringing classic samurai comic icon Usagi Yojimbo to the streaming network as an animated series. Comics started back in 1984 by Stan Sakai follows the adventures of Miyamoto Usagi, a masterless samurai rabbit in a world populated by other animal characters and steeped in Japanese samurai culture. However, the new series, which will be CGI, follows a direct descendant of Usagi and his eclectic band of heroes as he seeks to be an even greater samurai than his ancestor. I am very, very excited, more so just because I love samurai stuff. Like, uh, like I know Excellent. I told you I know I told you guys previously, um, like Samurai Jack or in the anime anime realm, you know, Afro, Afro Samurai or Samurai Champloo to my, you know, some of my favorite animes right there. So I am very excited. And then I know um, that you sent me those free comics. So I'm, I've started reading it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Utah? I'm excited. Uh, I was a fan of, of uh, Yojimbo, um, the comic book 
not as early as 84, but in the same once I got to college, yep. I think is really when I <laughs> picked it up and, and noticed it. Um, and the style of the story and just the story itself was really, really cool. I loved it. Um, I was a little upset when he made his little visit to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a cartoon on TV because it was nothing like what I had envisioned. <laughs> Your right. Jimbo being. Um, but I understand it's because it was Nickelodeon. It was a kid's show. So they had to do, you know, they, they made changes like they would for a kid's show. Um, so I'm super excited. Number one, that Stan Sakai is, is involved with this. So we know that it's going to be, you know, his vision uh, and he's going to be helping um make this i am also excited that they're making a story about a descendant i don't know i don't remember if it's a, it's a son or whatever if it's a it's kind of a far-flung descendant right like by generations i think so yeah um so i'm excited that they're visiting they're not like kind of revisiting the old stories from the comic books they're actually doing something new and uh, closer to it looks like it's going to be modern times or future times maybe that that i i couldn't get a clear answer on this right articles I that was, i read yeah, it was hard to tell, but I, I do like that they're doing a, 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 a different generation, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. it it's definitely one of my favorite uh, comic book series um, as a young adult. So. Can I just say that you guys, like, you're, I'm sorry, I don't want to say, like, your generation or older people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just but said it just anyway. <laughs> Where's that mute but- button? <laughs> But somebody once said, "Make sure you say seasoned." I don't know what the the preferred term is. Oh, oh, nice. I don't. It was an older person who told me to say seasoned instead of old. I don't know which one is a preference. I'm not sure that's better. (laughs) Anyway, um, we'll just say your generation. Um, That's where most. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Where most things come about, like comic, really good comic books or movies, like 70s, 80s. I'm sure prior to that, but I really, I'm gonna stop it probably. The, the That's 80s, really like, seasoned. <laughs> you know, but like they all, all of the really, really good movies or films, you know, classic films or even comic books or you know, superhero superhero movies come from from those generations, you know. And most of the things that happen nowadays are just, you know, kind of spinoffs or revamping what was already Reboots told. Or, yeah. yeah. I, and I really wish that I was around back in that heyday to, to like see things in its original fashion and instead of just kind of like, well, you, just you get to about it, you know? live vicariously through us on this show. <laughs> but I, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because I think what it is and the reason that we, it seems that way is because everybody who grew up with these things that are, that are being rebooted now, we're now old enough and we're the ones (laughs) making the movies and paying the money to go see them. And so they're catering to us. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just, uh, you know, you know, a generation ago was totally different. You know what I'm saying? So when, when my kids are my age, uh, you know, in 20 years or whatever, and those, those kids are, you know, my kids are 40 or you're in your forties, the stuff that you were in. Well, that's what's interesting. What will be the stuff then? Because that's the, our stuff. <laughs> our mm-hmm. stuff is coming back. But I think we, we've had that. This would be a great conversation. I'm going to save it for another podcast. You need to table that for another episode. No, absolutely. It's okay. Because I've had that conversation with other people. What is the next generation's like nostalgia? Like, what will it be? 
So be thinking about that, you guys, because I think and and those of you out there, because I think that's a really good subject. Um, I've had that conversation with a number of people. What what's that going to be? Because right now it's our turn to be nostalgic and get all of our stuff coming back and being rebooted. What will it be for for our kids and for my kids uh, when they when they're older? So it'll be interesting. But can I just say also that Netflix is killing it right now? Just recently, they also announced that they grabbed up Bone, the classic comic that. series from Jeff Smith. So yeah. between this and Usagi, they basically claimed the eclectic comic tastes of my early college years. They just said, here's here's the things Jeff was into in the early 90s. Let's this is for you. We're, we're going to grab these <laughs> because we know he's our our favorite subscriber and we're going to do these shows just for him now. But yeah, I'm so excited for both. Both. I love Bone. Bone is just is the greatest. So that's another one to look up. Aliyah is bone. And by the way, what she was talking about was um, where the free place to get comics is hoopla digital.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well. If you have a library card, you can get access to free comic books, graphic novels, not everything that's ever been made, obviously, but but lots of stuff. Right. I am actually just reading through all of the whole run of spawn another comic i read oh, back in the 90s um, i'm yeah. going through all of those again and it's just been amazing and that's where uh you can find yojimbo um you can find spawn you can find uh old um lots of old comic books old comics <laughs> it's a great place to get them seasoned and it's absolutely comics. free yeah very seasoned seasoned comics but go check those out it's it's fantastic hoopla digital is the place to get all of that Number five. And finally, what this pandemic has not been short of is new streaming services. Most of these had planned to launch anyway, but with everyone stuck at home, it seems like it would be the perfect time to provide even more home entertainment. Though, most of these services have received rather lukewarm reception. HBO Max and the phone-based Quibi, uh, they yeah, both both the got heck? a little bit of a uh, lukewarm reception. So um, you would think that this is the time everyone's at home and they want to grab these things, but maybe not. But this week we saw the launch of yet another major streaming competitor in the game, Peacock TV, backed by NBC Universal. They boast a huge selection of classic television, a lot of movies from Universal, DreamWorks Animation, Focus Features. You can find uh, classic Hitchcock movies, plus his two uh, TV series, Hitchcock Presents and the Hitchcock Hour or whatever they're, I don't remember what they're called. Uh, Universal Monsters versus Abbott and Costello. I love those as a kid. You can watch those on there. Cheers, Frasier, 30 Rock, so classic sitcoms. Plus, uniquely to Peacock are these all-day streaming channels where you can literally just watch 24-7 clips from The Office. Not episodes, (laughs) clips. Office shorts is what it's called. And it's literally <laughs> funny, funny clip after funny clip after funny clip of the office. And I would think that's hilarious. Who would watch that? Well, I'll tell you who would watch uh, that. My daughter, Rachel, she is obsessed <laughs> with the office. She watches the office binge watches. She's been through, uh, you know, every season of the office, like straight through seven or eight times. I don't know how this girl loves the office, but anyway, so this channel, I guess they just decided to make that for her. I have no idea. That's but amazing. There's also a channel just 24-7 SNL sketches. I actually spent okay, quite a few hours cool. watching okay. that yesterday. Those are great. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Jimmy Fallon highlight channel, yeah. Seth Meyer highlights channel. The today uh, there's there's today all day. Are you kid- That's today the channel show all day. It's called today all day. <laughs> And it's all day today show clips. Well, is it classic, like classic today show too? Like I don't, that I I didn't watch it. I just saw that it was there. Um, But then amazingly also there is uh, keeping up with the Kardashians channel. 
So you can actually see that uh, all day <laughs> if that's your thing. So I don't know. Did you did you guys check that out? I checked. I, I did sign up for the seven day free trial in Peacock, um, and the selection between NBC and Universal um, is really compelling to me. I'll have to admit. Um, I'm just trying to decide, and I'm going to decide in this next week, uh, whether it's something that I would want to keep. Because they do have different tiers, right? There's premium that where they don't have ads for 10 bucks a month. And then there's the one like they do with Hulu where you can have it five bucks a month and you get some ads and then some of your stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I have to admit Disney Plus kind of is my wheelhouse because they have everything that I would ever want streaming. Marvel, Star Wars, uh, National Geographic, uh, Disney, Pixar, right? Um, and so... Peacock is definitely a front runner in terms of if I wanted something else because of, of more of the universal movie stuff and focus features. So uh, we'll see. We'll see that that office clip thing sounds sounds hilarious. <laughs> I do. They have a channel where it's just them parkouring. I, I just want the <laughs> no, just the parkour episode 24 <laughs> seven. Just the parkour over. just over and over. Yeah, just that opening. Aaliyah, what did you think when you checked out the Peacock? The same way that I feel about most of these streaming streaming sites is it's just a way to get your money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That is kind um, of why they exist. That's why they're a business, right? I know. Um, I love it. I am one of those people that can spend all day binge watching and have zero remorse for it. Um, but I enjoy the fact that some of those old older school movies that I haven't seen or I can't necessarily find... Yes, the season movies that I haven't seen or can't find on, you know, Netflix or Hulu. Because sometimes with um, Netflix or even Hulu, I don't always know, you know, what's good to watch or, you know, if there's anything even worth watching. So it's nice to have something that's kind of fresh and new for me um, to, you know, kind of venture out into and see what they have. Well, I, I just want to throw out there that there are two there are two movies that are on Peacock Network or Peacock TV that uh, if you're in the seven day free trial, you, you should see before you before it goes. And one of those is The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily oh, Tomlin. Yes. Absolutely. I think I a saw classic. that movie a gazillion times as a kid. Like every time it was on cable, I watched that movie over and over and over again. I just, which I, I don't know why, but I was a huge Lily Tomlin fan as a kid. I don't know what it was. Who just, wouldn't be? I, well, she's great. I know, but it's just like, you wouldn't think like a kid would be like really into Lily Tomlin, but I totally was. Uh, when she would do the 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 telephone operator, Ron yes. Ringy Dingy, remember that? Um, love Lily Tomlin, <laughs> but The Incredible Shrinking Woman is just this fantastic, hilarious movie. Just catch that one. And the other one, Another one that I would catch on cable. Every time it was on, I would watch it. It's a guilty pleasure. It's so bizarre. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with Peter Frampton even... and the Gibb Brothers. Do you remember that? It's yes. all Beatles music, but Sergeant no Beatles Pepper? are in it. But no Beatles are in it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so strange. But there's lots of guest this? stars. Aerosmith is in it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I said Peter Frampton, the Gibb Brothers, uh, they're all doing different songs from the Beatles and it's just this weird, loose, strange storyline around it. It's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Is there really a story? No, but it's, story. it's just, it's out there. I think uh, you should definitely check it out. I, I mean, I've never been able to find it anywhere, like anywhere to that's watch. True. And here it is on the Peacock network. So that's great. Well, Peacock is also the home of the brand new DreamWorks animated kids show, Cleopatra in Space. Following the adventures of a young teenage Cleopatra as she is sucked through a vortex into a galaxy far, 
far away as she battles to try and save the universe according to an ancient prophecy. The show is based on a series of graphic novels authored and drawn by our next guest, artist Mike Mayhack, and he's going to join us when we come back, so don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody. We hope you're enjoying The Podcast is Real, which is the official podcast here at World Gone Geek. We hope you enjoy the website, worldgonegeek.com, which is a parody and satire site of pop culture news. We really enjoy doing it, so we hope that you enjoy reading it and listening to the podcast. But many of you have asked, how can you help? What can you do to support the podcast? Well, most importantly, spread the word. Let people know what's going on. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Share the tweets. Share the posts. Share the grams. Whatever. All of those things go a long way in letting people know that we're here. People jump on these things and listen to podcasts mostly via word of mouth. So tell people what we're doing. We'd love that. Another way you can support us is by, in your favorite podcast app, find a way to give us a review. Give us five stars, uh, tell people that you like what we're talking about, whatever. But if you were to vote, especially on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, if you were just to click those favorite buttons or those stars, that would be huge. It helps us rise up the list. It helps us be noticed by more people, and therefore more people will start to listen. And finally, if you'd like to get involved in a really concrete way, we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash worldgonegeek. We have several tiers there where you can actually support the podcast financially, even as low as $2 a month. Did you know that if we ended up with 10 patrons at just $2 a month, that would help pay for one of the hosting costs for one of the things that we're doing here. So we would love it if you'd be able to do that. We totally understand if you can't, there's plenty of other ways to help, as I said before. But I do want to let you guys know about the Patreon account because right now this would be a sponsor break and we don't have any sponsors yet because we just got started. We're just getting rolling. Once we have a lot more listeners and a lot more of a following, we could maybe look into that. But in the meantime, we'd love to have your support in all the ways that I just described. If there's any of those things that you feel in your heart that you'd like to do to be a part of the show, we'd appreciate it. Most importantly, though, I am so glad that you are listening. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this podcast and listening because that means uh, the world to me. We're not just talking out into the air that there are people on the other end actually appreciating what we do. Thanks so much for being there. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back. Thank you for waiting during that brief period while we gathered our guest into the Zoom. That's right. As I said, before we went into the break, we're being joined today by artist and author Mike Mayhack who is the creator of such great web comics as Cow and Buffalo <laughs> and the amazing Cleopatra in Space, which is uh, became a started as a web comic, became a series of graphic novels and is now a DreamWorks animated TV show on the Peacock Network. Mike Mayhack, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, I mean, part of me wants to jump right in and start talking about Cleopatra in Space because I'm on like episode Five now I've been binging <laughs> like crazy since Wednesday. Um, it's just such a great show. But um, but let's start. Let's go a little bit further back. Let's talk a little bit about what how how you got there. Uh, I mentioned cow and buffalo. I think that was the first <laughs> the first thing that actually introduced me to you was um, we have a mutual friend uh, who introduced me to cow and buffalo, and so okay. I started reading those, and he uh, and and just loved it and thought the art was just so much fun. 
Um, tell, tell, and I don't know if Utah, have you ever heard of cow and Buffalo? Have you seen I that? Have heard, I have heard of cow and Buffalo. <laughs> I'll be honest. I have not, I don't remember reading any of it. Yeah. But I, yeah. But cow and Buffalo it's somehow sticks in my mind. And I think that's, I think that's why you chose a name, right? Cause cow and Buffalo just kind of. I chose it cause it. It was cow about a cow and a buffalo. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. It's not like when I when I'm naming things, they're they're not the most creative. I mean, it's Cleopatra in space. There's no beating around. If the I question. if I'm writing a story about a dinosaur, it's going to be called the dinosaur. Dino. You know, it's not, perfect. So I so, do not like titling stuff at all. Well, where did cow and buffalo come from? Like, what was the <laughs> impetus for that comic? <laughs> Um, I, uh, I grew up kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't think obsessed is the right word, but the cow was definitely my sort of spirit animal <laughs> growing up. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, you, you know, I think all kids love seeing cows on the side of the road when they're, they're like, oh, there's a cow, there's a cow. It's so exciting. And then, you know, but that, that kind of, it sure, you, you sort of grow out of that. And I did, I never did. <laughs> I just go, it's good excited. The cows, I just love how, um kind of uh, docile they were and it's like ah eh, whatever you know they're just so so cool about everything um so so i was uh thinking about what i could do sort of um to strengthen my uh storytelling skills um in terms of making a web comic and i wanted to do something where it wasn't so epic where i wasn't going to be able to finish something so i started these strips that i could finish in just like about six panels uh, just maybe one one a week, uh, something funny, and I just kind of used this cow character that I, I have been drawing, just in like greeting cards to grant me, you know, my grandparents and stuff <laughs> for years, and um, and I needed somebody for him to talk to, so I just kind of created this buffalo character, um, <laughs> and then it was just kind of just it was pretty much just conversations I would have in my head, just personified by these two bovines. And it was just this wacky, very dry humor. Um, I used to compare it to like, um, sort of like Peanuts, but with Monty Python sort of <laughs> thrown Excellent. into it. That's an interesting uh, in combo. terms of the humor. Yeah, uh, cool. and yeah, and I did that for about. It's funny you mentioned it because I just redid my website, and I was throwing all of those old cow because it's been about. It's about six or seven years since I, I think, worked on that strip. So I was throwing all these old comics into the into the website. And actually, it took me longer than it should have because I kept rereading some of them. And I was like, man, that was so funny. Like, I was so funny 10 years ago. What happened? These are hilarious. And like, why why can't I be this funny anymore? And so, uh, yeah, they're, they're all up on the website now if anybody wanted to check them out. To, oh, very cool. To yeah. Read them. Yeah. And well, that was, like I said, that was the first introduction I had to your art. And I, I just loved the, the, the style of cow and Buffalo. I, the, I guess, I don't know, maybe the cow is my spirit animal as well, because I, <laughs> I at least connected with the humor. Um, and I loved peanuts and I love Monty Python. So maybe that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, but that works. Yeah. I remember, um, just kind of, you know, following along with that. And then I remember that you started Cleo as a web comic as well. Right. Yeah. And, and um, tell us, like, first of all, where did the idea for to put Cleopatra? In, I mean, I know it's it's an obvious title, but where it's it's not an obvious idea, right? It's definitely not not it everyone. Is to me. Is, <laughs> I know. Where? How did you get the idea to to put those two the, this historical figure out in space? Um, it was really just me being 
being kind of goofy. I mean, I was still working on Count Buffalo at the time, so I, I, that humor was still uh, really, I guess, proficient in everything I was doing. Uh, but I was part of this drawing group. It was called Drawer Geeks. And this is before really uh, social media had really taken off. I don't even know if Twitter, Twitter might have been around, but it wasn't you know, huge. Uh, Facebook was just kind of starting. And so a bunch of different animators, graphic designers, illustrators, we would uh, get together about every two weeks and there'd be a character that we would just all draw our interpretation of. Um, and one week happened to be Cleopatra. And I always sort of never felt like my drawing skills were up to par with everybody else that was on there. So I just at least tried to be funny. So I was like, I'm gonna put her in space, you know? And I gave her a big bubble helmet and floating cat and I put <laughs> Cleopatra in space across the top of it. Um, totally alluding to pigs in space. Oh yeah, Muppets, yeah. You know, just completely ripped that off. And, um, and then, uh, I just, I don't know, it just kind of really sort of resonated this one image with, with everybody that's on there. I, I was getting AOL, remember AOL Instant Messenger? I know, oh, Leah, yeah. it might be before your time. <laughs> AOL? AOL? You've got mail. Yeah, I'm familiar with AOL. <laughs> we were all on AOL semester and they were messaging me. I was just back when I had a graphic design job when I was uh, working on this. It's like, you need to make a comic of this. You need to make a comic. It's like, ah, now I'm working on Cal and Buffalo. That's the, that's my thing. <laughs> um, but eventually I did, I just sort of made a, a, you know, this sort of black and white, um, early comic of it intending just to get it out of my system and then go back to Cal and Buffalo. <laughs> and I, and instead I just, I stopped working on Cal and Buffalo and just continued with Cleo instead. Yeah, that first run I remember was all in black and white, and then yeah. didn't it? Then in like future chapters, then you started doing things more in color, and it started yeah. it started looking a little bit more like what we have today because you can see how the art kind of transformed over time <laughs> into what what you know oh, how you were work. kind of developing yeah. <laughs> what she was going to look like. In fact, I I feel like in those early Cleopatra comics, is is she older than she is in the Oh the yeah. Current iteration. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started, uh, I was honestly, I was making the thing up as I was going along, like literally panel by panel, page by page, making it up. And <laughs> wow. in my head, it was more of a sort of a Buck Rogers kind of sure. um, science fiction action. And that's part of the reasons I did it in black and white, besides just, you know, be quicker to get it done. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I like that aspect that you sort of that black and white sort of retro, you know, old school science fiction. But yeah, she was originally, she was a little older in my head. Um, and then as I was sort of making it up, I was like, well, where, you know, why is she in space? And, um, you know, what is she doing? What's her, what's her goal? What's her motivation? What's here? her motivation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think she was just trying to get out of, like, just trying to blow her way out of a, of a enemy space station. And it's like, I need more than this. And so as I was writing, I was thinking about it and the story sort of developing as, uh, and I was thinking about uh, Star Trek, because I'm a huge, huge Star Trek fan. But one of the Star Trek shows I never, ever got that I really wanted was a Starfleet Academy show. I wanted like yeah. uh, like them as, um, as cadets. Yeah, as cadets, yeah. you know, younger and like training and like everything I had to take to go up and do these, these missions that they would, uh, you know, mess up from time to time. And, you know, and, it, it, you know, not every everything was very successful. And so Cleo started off as kind of a sort of mesh of that and uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer character characterization. 
and I just sort of mashed those two things together with ancient Egypt. And that's kind of how it started to really kind of come together. That's awesome. It, I thought, I remember reading it on the web. Cause again, like I said, I was following Callum Buffalo and then suddenly this Cleopatra in space comes, comes in. And, uh, but I remember really enjoying it. And my daughters, um, are artists too. Um, my oldest daughter really loves to draw and she, in fact, she sent you some fan art of Cleo way back in the day. I don't know. Oh, did she really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you, you commented I probably on still it. Have it. Yep. Yeah. yeah you, I you saved all that stuff. You said That's something, awesome. uh, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, but it made her day. Um, but she, as, as a, as a father of daughters, um, I mean, I have sons too, but, but as a father of daughters, <laughs> I forget them. You know? hey, who cares about the sons? You know, let's talk about the daughters. Yeah. Well, you have what? My point is my sons have lots of heroes and lots of characters <laughs> and lots of stories that, that they can find. Um, and my daughters are mostly stuck with, uh, you know, and not that there's anything wrong. I mean, we love the Disney princesses and we love some of that stuff. Those are great stories, but um, they never really had like these these kind of like, you know, adventure heroes, kind of like Black Widow is now and, you know, starting to become more and more popular. But hey, don't have um, my little pony. Of Cle- <laughs> Cleopatra in space kind of for her. She was just like, this is kind of cool. Here's this kick butt, you know, little uh, action hero who just happens yeah. to be a teenage girl. And it was like, uh, what a great idea. And I remember thinking at the time that you have you've got something here. Like, this is a great idea, you know? And so it didn't surprise me when you announced that you were, that you were going to, these were going to be graphic novels with Scholastic. Can you tell us how that came about? Like when, when did you find out? Like, did you shop it out to them? Did they find out about what you were doing? How'd that work? Uh, well, I was, uh, working on the web comic and I think I had, um, no, I definitely had, like first two chapters of it done. So that first like sort of black and white <laughs> run that I had done. And then like a chapter two, which was all in color um, and looked a, a little bit more polished. And I had created a, like kind of self-published two little volumes of those, like printed volumes of them that I just, um, you know, sent off to a local printer and just, you know, you know, stapled together. And I took those with me to Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, I love that. And there place. was, a, oh, yeah, it was, I haven't been in years, but. Uh, we're, we're all this going year. this year. We were just talking about that earlier on the show. Everybody's yeah, going go. this year. Everybody's going. We're all, we'll all hop online, go to the Zoom. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I was just, um, you know, doing what I always do there, which is, you know, selling mostly prints. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to try to see how well this new little comic I'm doing does. And there was a, um, a guy from book fairs, classic book fairs that picked it up. And he said, uh, yeah, I think this will be a good for good for scholastic. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that'll be, that'll be $20. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, uh, I mean, not just, yeah, I really sort of blew it off. I didn't, I really didn't. I thought like, Oh, you're just, you're being nice. That's cool. You know, but, um, but I, I got back and I think it was like maybe two or three days later after I, I got back home, um, uh, David Saylor, who's the uh, director of graphics there, uh, called me up and uh, oh, cool. just, yeah, just said, that I think this would be good for, for graphics. Um, do you have any ideas for a graphic novel series? And I just happened to have, you know, I've been thinking about it as, you know, with the webcomic, it was I sort of putting one page up every week and it just was not a sustainable model for that comic. I, I had this long, you know, drawn out kind of idea that I wanted to do for it. And 
I, I'd be old and gray before it was ever finished. So uh, I was already thinking about how it would play out as more of a, um, you know, a long running series. So it was really easy to put, you know, a proposal together for him. Well, that's great timing. Wow, that's that's really quick too. Just a couple of days. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my, I mean, it was, I mean, it was years ago, but I remember it was definitely the, you know, the, the week I had gotten back um, and he called me, I was at work and I was at my day job and <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, let me, um, yeah, I, I got to take a lunch break. <laughs> I just sort of, I, I, you know, thankfully I had a very uh, casual work environment and I, I, my desk was actually located right next to the exit door. So I just kind of oh, how bolted convenient. out outside and I remember just, you know, pacing around the, I was at, I worked at a, a, a college campus and I was just pacing around the campus talking and like, Trying to be real professional, but at the same time internally sort of freaking out. And, uh, yeah, because it's, it's cool. Really, all I ever really want my my you know my dream I was married to ever since I was young was just to uh, put to, put a comic out there for people to read, and um, suddenly there's an opportunity there to do that. So it's, yeah, it's exciting. Very and now cool. you have a show. That's right. Yeah, that was not even on my, yeah, that wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. I so, was not, so tell not us, expecting that. Tell one, us but. how that happened. Like who did, did, did somebody, I mean, was that the, uh, the production company coming, uh, you know, and trying to license that work and you know, how involved were you? Like, when did that come, come into your, when did it hit your radar? <laughs> well, I had, um, well, I have a I have a really great agent, um, literary agent. So that was a, a, a big part of it. Uh, once uh, that was sort of secured, and she was really pushing the series, um, she was able to kind of put it out there, get some feelers out there, and some studios. And that's sort of how uh, DreamWorks found it. Was just through you know one of the. Um, one of the producers there. She, I think, he, I think he, the story. I've, I've met him a few times. Uh, I think the story was he just walked into his office and the the first book, uh, Target Practice, was just sitting on his desk and he's like, Cleopatra in space. What is this? Sounds great. <laughs> you know, just title alone, he was sort of like all about it. Um, and so it was really just the first book that was out when when they uh, you know when they caught his attention. I was. Finishing up the second book, uh, I was kind of working on that, and I went to again back went back to San Diego Comic Con. Uh, this time, primarily just to meet with about three or four people from DreamWorks uh, to talk about uh, turning the turning the book into like a a movie or a TV show. Wow! And I was sort of overwhelmed by it. <laughs> I was not. I, I was like, I just, yeah. I had just gotten the, the first book out. I was pretty excited about it. It was being pretty well received. I was really focused into the second one. And then the second book was kind of a challenge. I was, there was a lot of ways I could go with it. And I was having a hard time sort of making some decisions on where I wanted that, where, where I wanted the book to go. And um, so I was, I, I initially had kind of turned DreamWorks down. I was just, it was just too much. Too much too, too soon. soon. Too wow. much too soon. Um, I knew at the time I, I had nine books planned. I you know, and uh, oh. I sort of condensed that towards the end into six books, which I think made the story a little bit better. But I had this long, you know, I had so much there. I was like, can we, can we just maybe hold off on this for now? I remember talking to my my agent about. It. I was like, this is just, it's I'm not ready to commit to a TV show. With this. I don't even know exactly 
how the story is going to play out. You know, they're going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to kind of really work with them and make sure like this, this idea I have um, stays fairly intact if it's going to become something else. Um, so I really need to, to think about that some more. So, so yeah, I said, no, <laughs> that's great. Um, but they eventually, uh, they, I guess they, not even eventually, they just kind of were pretty persistent. They, they really uh, kind of kept coming back, uh, coming back to it. And uh, I could tell what eventually made me say yes is I could tell they really, um, really liked the material, but they were sort of going to uh, take care of it. And that was the, the big thing. I felt like who, the, the main person I was sort of involved who I was talking to was going to treat it in a way that I would be happy with. And so that was sort of the defining factor. And once we started talking about being more of a, a television series rather than a movie, I got a, a lot more excited about it because mm -hmm. that, that is what kind of what I wanted. I mean, the whole, the whole graphic novel concept is influenced by Saturday morning cartoons. Right. So the idea of it being a movie was just, I didn't think it would work. I, I honestly didn't think it would be very successful. Um, but a television series was exactly what I wanted for it. So yeah. And then, yeah, here we are. <laughs> and so what, go, now that it's out, now that people are seeing it, I mean, you've, you've already, you had seen it before, obviously it'd come on Peacock TV, but what goes through your mind when you see based on the book series by Mike Mayhack and credits <laughs> at the beginning? Like what, what does that feel like? Uh, it's, it's pretty surreal. Uh, it's more surreal just to watch the characters sort of come to life with, you know, voices and then not even, yeah, even come to life, but just like somebody else's interpretation of the, of the characters um, taking on a life of their own um, and seeing what, you know, what they took and what they changed and all of that is just so exciting to watch. And I think that's how stories really grow is you, you can't, you can't hold on to them too tightly. You know, you sort of just have to let other people kind of take the reins and it was you really fun Jordan to sort of watch that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess Star Wars, you know, kind of, you finally, <laughs> no, you, finally like you know, for, for better or worse, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's fun. I love how everybody uh, was so, you know, against Lucas after the prequels and then after the new ones came out, they wanted him back. yeah, everyone wanted him back. And I was like, well, you know, this is, it is his idea. He's gonna, he's gonna know exactly what you should do with it. But so you did, so, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned how, you know, how they were interpreting the characters and, and, and there were some pretty uh, notable changes right in that first episode. I was like, wait a minute. First of all, Akila, who is like Cleo's best friend, is now an alien in the, yeah. uh, well, I guess technically they could all be aliens because they they're out be in space, but, uh, sure. but she's like an actual alien with like, you know, side, uh, eyes eyelids and, and uh, just like all that kind of stuff. And Brian is like almost entirely mechanical, right? He's, he's like right. a cyborg. He's a cyborg. Yeah. So those are, those Don't are two, robot. two big changes. Like, did you know those were happening beforehand? Like at what point oh, did yeah. you find out what was going on? Well, early, I mean, I was, I was uh, consulting through the entire sort of pre-production of it. And um, <laughs> even early on before they, when they were just developing the stories, I was giving them some, this is what's going to be happening. This is what's going to be coming up. And, but I looked at it in a way, well, if we're going to do this all over again, what would I have changed oh. um, going you know, if I, if I would go back and I sort of did that with, I had already done that with the graphic novels. You know, I was like, now that I'm starting over again, what would I have changed from the, from the webcomic? 
uh, which the, really the biggest change was just kind of making her a little younger and, and starting from the, from the beginning. But I was thinking about this scene in the, in the, the second book of where Cleo is sort of feeling sort of like, you know, she's literally a fish out of water, you know, so she's you know, not literally a fish out of water, but she's, you know, if she feels like, <laughs> a, you know, she's out of place. Um, and, you know, she wants to go back home. And then she has this roommate, Akila, who really doesn't have any close friendships. And she feels that kinship with Cleo and she's upset that she's, you know, she's going to be leaving and, and all this. And so there's this moment between them where um, Cleo's like, you, you just want to leave. And Cleo's like, what are you talking about? Like everything around me is just crazy. I've got like, you know, I've got this like squid next to me in biology. I've got electricity, you know, just everything's nuts. You're like you're the only thing that's normal in my life right now. And I was like, man, that, you know, the way I drew Aquila was just she was pretty much, I, I based her off of Willow from, <laughs> from uh, Buffy the Buffy. Vampire Slayer. Um, and so I was like, that scene would have been so much more powerful if Aquila was an alien. It's like, you're the most normal thing. Because it had nothing wow. to do with how, cool. it's all about internal. And yeah. so I told them this story. I was like, this is one of these things that would have been different. I would have made Aquila an alien. And I I can't remember. It's been a while, but I think they had already started talking about that or decided, oh, well, that we are going to make, you know, Aquila an alien. And I, was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, well, we're, while we're on the subject, Brian might be a robot by book six. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we getting a spoiler? Yeah. Is this possible? Is this something that's no, going to come I, true I, in the book? Well, I, I, I don't even, I don't, maybe he is, maybe he okay. is. I never oh, really kind so. of, yeah. But I really sort sort of thought about this acronym of, of what Brian would be. And it was something, I can't remember exactly, like biological robot, <laughs> you know. But, and then it was like, yeah. And, um, and then the end was, the end was just going to stand for nothing. It's like nothing. Because yeah. like, he thought Bria sounded like a girl's name. And it was just like, I just kind of left it because I was like, ah, I don't really like that. It's just not a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so I, I just didn't even, I didn't even bother with it. But I did tell him, yeah, because I'm thinking about this. And I think they just ran with that. Um, I don't know if they were already planning on making him a robot or if that was just something for me. Mm kind of joking around but well i gotta yeah. say brian's yeah. hilarious his uh his whole facial expression algorithm thing cracks, <laughs> cracks me up I have, that's gonna be a good running joke i think on there if Absolutely. they can keep that going the um, animators and designers on that show are just absolutely incredible the emotions that those characters convey um i'm just i'm watching it just as a huge fan i'm i'm all the you know the entire art style and stuff i'm just so impressed by the way everything looks and just so pleased with how it turned out well now you mentioned the the next book the sixth book is coming out next month in august and so that so we're not going to have a game of thrones situation here where they have to they don't have the final book and they're trying to figure <laughs> to out what's going to happen so they'll they'll have the final source material and they'll be able to finish um is there what can you tell us about the next, is there anything you can tell us? Is there, you know, is Brian a robot? Is he gonna? We're we gonna find this out. I'm Don't totally call like him a robot. You got Don't me totally. Call him a robot. Oh man. Yeah, he's a cyborg. My bad, cyborg. Yeah. Or cyborg. Yeah, because he's yeah. got the human brain. Yeah. Don't call him a robot. That's insulting. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you, do you? As far as you know, are they following? The, are they gonna follow the same story? I know that they're gonna branch off and tell little stories along the way, like a lot of these shows do. But are, is the main storyline? Do you think is gonna 
kind of follow the arc uh, that you've created? No, I think it's it's definitely going to go off on its own direction, as it should. Okay. It should definitely, yeah. I want to, and in fact, this is this is one of the things I, I really wanted for the show is I didn't want a direct uh, adaptation of the graphic novels. Um, there's no, there's no sense in that. People can already read the books. There's no point in just putting the same story in a different medium. That's not interesting. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think they, 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 they come from a, 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 you know, the same sort of, um, same sort of beginning point. Uh, and then it just kind of, the show will kind of go off, and, and take certain elements from the graphic novels and take certain threads and stuff, but it'll kind of go off in some direction. Uh, the books are definitely, I think, probably going to stay a little darker than the uh, the animated series, especially books four, five, and six. Kind of got <laughs> get a little a little bit more heavy emotionally than sure. I think you would put into a uh, a tween, you know, show. A, yeah, a tween show. Yeah, uh, you never know. You know, the show could, you know, if they if they're able to keep making seasons, they could age the characters and stuff, just similar to what they did with Avatar. Well, I mean, there's a there's a very big reveal that takes Avatar. place in the books about um about Octavian, the bad guy, the big bad. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know if yeah, there, that, is the show is gonna happening? follow that? I'm not gonna oh, say sure, it because yeah. I, I don't want to spoil it for people things, who haven't read it yet. Yeah. The big things I think will stick around okay. um, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I can't, I don't know, if, you know, I guess I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, a lot of the things that people are familiar with from the graphic no novels, they'll definitely recognize and they'll see and they'll know some things are coming. I think that'll make it more exciting for the people that are serving to know because they'll be able to watch it knowing stuff that's going on uh, that others may not be aware of. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I think it's just going to kind of be its own thing. I like, I like to think of it more of a, of a companion piece to the graphic novels more nice. than just, and, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot, I mean, I gave them a lot of information of stuff I wanted to do in the books. That I just, I didn't really have the time to do. I wanted to keep the books really focused on just Cleo's story and what her internal struggle struggles were. They're almost so there's points where it deviates a little bit. You'll see a little bit with Anthony or, um, or maybe Kensu or something like that. But for the most part, the books just pretty much stay focused just on Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's, but there's this whole you know, student body at Pyramid that I would love to tell stories about. And I had stories for, um, there was one character um, who was going to be like the Cordelia <laughs> of the, of who she was going <laughs> to be the Buffy. one that was already the, the, the best cadet. And then Cleo comes in and steals the spotlight. Um, they just, created a character like that without me even yeah, saying so right in the first they read my mind right, right in the first episode yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's 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 there um and in my head she was designed differently because they didn't have anything to go off of but the the actual that that type of that specific type of character um is part of it so i like that you know you can you get these other stories that are set sort of in the same universe that i just didn't have the opportunity to really tell in the graphic novels so the next book comes out August 4th. Is that correct? Yes. August 4th is the, and you can pre-order that now on Amazon, I assume. And you can pre-order. I or hope anywhere. you can pre-order it. Yeah. I spent about two years working on that book. So <laughs> I really hope, um, I, should, I really I should hope people will enjoy it. Uh, I don't know. It's the last book. I think it's, it's tough because there's so many expectations, especially right. for some of the, 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 the bigger fans of the series and, ones that have kept up with the series and re I mean, they're going to be, they'll be reading it, you know, immediately. Um, there's probably bound to be a little bit of disappointment because they build up exactly how this thing should end. And it's, I it's can't not imagine going to. Yeah. There's no the way. Pressure it's end. Like for you. Yeah. There's no way. 
Uh, but I do petitions. feel like I try to give as, as yeah. much of a, yeah. Hashtags and petitions. Yeah. And Please do this. <laughs> Change. There's definitely stuff I didn't, I didn't answer everything. Rewrite and book I, six. Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Please, please make book seven. It'll be like book seven. Well, what is so, so that's going to kind of be the end of an era for you. Then you've been working on these for so long. What, uh, what's next for Mike Mayhack? What's. I'm just working on, I guess I initially, I, I swore off graphic novels at the end of like towards the end of, it was such a, I mean, I had a fun work on it, but it was just such a grind towards the end, trying to get it done by the deadline. And I was just putting my heart into it and just making sure it was the best art and best writing I've, I've done. And I was just exhausted. And I was like, this is so much work. I just, I'm never doing another comic ever again in my entire <laughs> life. And then a month, not even a month, I think it was like three weeks passed. And I was like kind of drawing and I'm like, let's make a good comic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, I'm just working on a, a new idea. It'll be, it won't be a series. It'll just be like a, a one book um, thing. Uh, I can't really say anything about it because it's not even um, landed with a publisher. I'm still working on the proposal and pitch for it and the ideas. So, but it'll be, um, you know, similar in terms of my style and humor, but it'll be uh, a different type of story than a science fiction action adventure story. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. we're looking forward to to what it is. We love this. The show is great. Congratulations on that. Yeah, what a great uh, congratulations accomplishment. What a great to, and to see it, this whole idea go from web comic to a to an actual uh, animated series. Um, that's that's a, quite an accomplishment. And uh, mm -hmm. um, it's really good. We love it. So I want to thank our, our guest, Mike. Thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight uh, talking you. about Cleopatra in Space. For those of you who are interested, make sure you check it out. It is on Peacock TV. Um, you can also find the books on Amazon. You can find them at your library. You can find them anywhere uh, that you find books. They're, they're a lot of fun, very, uh, very fun, especially um, for those young kind of tween and, and teen young adult kind of ages. It's really, really inspiring to see um female representation and in, in heroes uh for our young girls out there it's not enough of that going around so thanks to mike for doing that mike where can people find you online like what where where should they learn more about what's going on with you uh well they can go to my website which is either i mean i have like so many domain names for it now because i combine i combined uh all my sites into uh, just one one site. So you can go to cleopatrinspace.com, operationspacecat.com is the, the main the domain. Like. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, that's the main one. So that's good. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's a favorite. But also countbuffalo.com will take you there. Uh, MikeMayhack.com will take you there. You uh, do have probably domains. time to get rid of some, <laughs> some domain names. It's getting expensive. <laughs> now, that they, now that they're all going, before they all went to different places and now they're all right. going to the same thing. So it's, it's sort of redundant, but all right. Yep. And you're Any on, those. you're on Twitter at Mike Mayhack.com, correct? Or not that.com. You're on Twitter <laughs> at Mike Mayhack, correct? At Mike Mayhack. Uh, Anywhere on pretty much all the, most of the social nets, um, I'm at Mike Mayhack. Yeah. Well, once again, I want to thank our guest, Mike Mayhack. We want to thank a special thanks to Utah and Aaliyah, my panel gone geek co-hosts. Be sure to get social with us on Twitter and Instagram at, at world gone geek and on Facebook, facebook.com slash world gone geek next week san diego comic-con everybody's Woo! going Woo! we'll be recording thursday you get night it back. you get it back yes you get it back. 
We're recording Thursday night, so we'll have a first day's preview and heads up for what to look for that weekend. So join us then. Be well and make a difference wherever you can. See you guys next time. The Podcast is Real is a World Gone Geek production. 